Hello and welcome everyone to our time together in the Word of God. Today we're going to be looking at Hezekiah's reforms and considering together the way the Lord used this man so mightily in the midst of such a difficult and dark day that he was in when he came to power. Praise God that he's able to do great and mighty things. And so if you, if you turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 29, we're going to read the first, um, well, the first 10 verses together, uh, maybe a little bit more, and uh, let's after that have a word of prayer, and then we'll get into the message together. So 2 Chronicles chapter 29, beginning from verse 1. Hezekiah began to reign when he was five and twenty years old, and he reigned nine and twenty years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father had done. He in the first year of his reign, in the first month, opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. And he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them together into the east street. And said unto them, Hear me, ye Levites, sanctify now yourselves, and sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers, and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. For our fathers have trespassed, and done that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord our God, and have forsaken him, and have turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord, and turned their backs. Also they have shut up the doors of the porch, and put out the lamps, and have not burned incense, nor offered burnt offerings in the holy place unto the God of Israel. Wherefore the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he hath delivered them to trouble, to astonishment, and to hissing, as ye see with your eyes. For, lo, our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons, and our daughters, and our wives are in captivity for this. Now it is in mine heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel, that his fierce wrath may turn away from us. My sons, be not negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before him and to serve him, and that ye should minister unto him and burn incense. Then the Levites arose. Let's have a word of prayer, shall we, and then consider something of this passage together. Dear Lord, we thank you that we serve a mighty God who reigns in heaven. We thank you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We thank you that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. You are above the flood, Lord, and there is nothing that raises up itself against you or the knowledge of God that will ever ultimately succeed. For you, O oh God, are on the throne and there is none other. And we lift our eyes and our gaze and our hands unto you. And we ask you, dear Lord, that in this time you would graciously take over. You would be the one that speaks to your people. You would be the one that your people hear. The Lord, you would deliver us from the interference of man. The Lord, I would just be as it were a vessel through which you can bring your word and what you want to say to your people. Lord, that your people may hear from you. And Lord, we pray each one of us would have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. We would discern what is on your heart at this time, Lord. Father, we call upon your name that you wouldn't leave us, as it were, in any sense of confusion or any sense of darkness. But Lord, that you would shed your light upon the days that we live in, even to us, even through this message. And that our hearts would learn what you are saying, O oh God. We pray, Father, that you would deliver us from distraction, from anything that would uh, hinder us drawing near to you or receiving from you. We pray that the word which we hear would be mixed with faith. We pray that, Lord, not only in the hearing of the word, but, Lord, as I speak, I pray that faith would rise in my heart unto speaking the fullness of your counsel for this time, that, you would, that counsel that you would speak through me, Lord. Father, we are looking to you. We have none other. Whom else shall we go to? You alone have the words of eternal life. You alone are the living God. You alone are the way, the truth and the life, Lord Jesus. Oh God, we ask for an anointing, a real anointing of your spirit upon the speaking of your word and the hearing thereof. Lord, deliver us from the evil one, from fear, from duplicity of heart, from unbelief getting in. Lord, we pray 
that, Lord, I would believe and speak and we would hear, believe and respond. May you get all the praise and all the glory and all the honour through this time. For to you alone it is to be so. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, chapter 29. Hezekiah comes to the throne at the age of 25 and he begins to reign over Judah. And he comes to the throne at a time when the people of God were far from him. His own father, King Ahaz, before him, was a man who had turned away from God. He didn't follow the Lord. He was full of idolatry in his practices. And he brought the people into the way of idolatry. And uh, sad to say, it was a dark day in the history of Judah when Ahaz was on the throne. How he provoked the Lord to anger. And dear friends, you know, it's so easy to look at these things in the past and just to consider, well, they, they practiced these pagan things then. Um, and so the Lord's hand was against them. But in the church, we never do anything like that. But friends, you know, when we begin to dig a little bit deeper under the surface, we'll begin to see that paganism and, and, and all kinds of practices that do not belong to the people of God have come into the house of God. And uh, we live in a day where really, in many senses, we are not worshipping God the way he wants us to. We haven't sought his face as we should have done. And we find ourselves in a day where there is much about our practice within the church that is contrary to the will and purpose of God. And we need to come back, don't we, to the Lord. We know in the word of God that judgment begins with the house of God. And the Lord wants us at his people, I believe. In these days when we are shut up, where we are not able to get out and about, to consider our ways, to start to think about the way we act, the way we are as the people of God. And I think as we begin to seek the face of God, we'll realise that much of the things, many of the things we do anyway, are things that are absence of, the, of, of us seeking the will of God. We often within church practice just go ahead with what we want to do, uh, rather than seeking the head of the church the Lord Jesus himself. Well, even though we live in a day where there has been much um, apostasy, really, and turning away from the things of God, from the standards of his word, praise God that we can take heart that in a bad day in Judah's history, the Lord in his mercy raises up this man, Hezekiah. And isn't it the Lord's mercy that he gets hold of this man's heart, whose very father was the cause of provoking the Lord um, and uh, being far from God. Um, this is amazing that the son of a man who rebelled against God is actually used of God to bring the people back to God. It's tremendous, isn't it, friends? So let's begin to look at Hezekiah. And we read in verse 1, of chapter 29. Hezekiah began to reign when he was five and twenty years old, and he reigned nine and twenty years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that David his father had done. He was set on doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and rather than follow in his own father, Ahaz, he followed in the great type, a great type of the Lord Jesus, King David. And in verse 3 we go on to read, He in the first year of his reign, in the first month, opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Now there was much that Hezekiah was going to need to reform. There was idolatry on the mountains, on the hills, to false gods. There was lots of paganism around. But we see that Hezekiah's heart is to open the house of God, is to see a reformation um, concerning the temple, a coming back to the way of worship that God has prescribed in his word. And it says in the first year and in the first month he opened the doors. You know, Hezekiah didn't start by thinking, now I just want to establish my reign. I just want to, in a sense, settle in to being king of Judah. 
and just see how the land lies, see how the people respond to me, and then begin little by little, just trying to make a little change here and a little change there. No, Hezekiah, it says, in the first year, in the first month, he went about making reforms. It's as though he set his heart straight away. And the word first in this verse comes up twice. First year, first month. And the reason why Hezekiah acted so quickly is because the Lord was first in his life. Brothers and sisters, is the Lord first in your life? Is the Lord first in my life? Are we those that seek his face, his pleasure, his desire, his will to be wrought in the earth? Or are we those that are more concerned with what men feel about us or what other people would think about us? Are we more fearing of men than fearing of God. Sadly, within the church, we often are more fearful of what men think about us than what God thinks about us. And brothers and sisters, we need, do we not, to get back to the fear of the Lord, where we're fearing God first, where we're concerned with what He says, where what He prescribes in His Word is of paramount importance to us, come what may. Let us be those that are not, as it were, uh, taken along by every whim and fancy of the generation we live in. Let us not be those brothers and sisters that are taken up with the opinions of men. Let it be that we are those that are firstly concerned with how God sees things. And really the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the starting point to us coming into the wisdom of God. It's, it's the ABC, unless we're really those brothers and sisters that fear the Lord. We're not going to know the way of wisdom and the way of our God. And uh, we need, don't we, to be fearless in our day. Only God can give us this kind of strength. We see the opposition is so strong and the current is so forceful. But, you know, God is above all that. And no matter how fearful and weak and feeble we may feel we are in and of ourselves, the truth of the matter is the Lord, by His Spirit, by His power, could enable you and me to stand, even in this evil day. The Lord enabled Hezekiah to stand in a day when there was so much darkness. He'd come in on the back of his own father's apostasy and he'd straight away reverse in the trend. It's amazing. But it shows that in Hezekiah's heart, his main concern was the will and purpose of God. Oh, that we would learn the lesson in our day. That we would get back to the word of God. In a day when we're shut down, as it were. Where we're locked in, where we're hemmed in. May it be that God gets our eyes back on the word of God. And see what he prescribes in the word of God. And seek to come back to his ways. May the Lord help us. We need the ancient paths again. We need to go back to the ways of God. Well, in this particular verse 3, we read specifically that Hezekiah opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. You see, immediately, the man is getting the doors of the temple that have been shut by his own father open again, so that there can be a beginning of a change of the atmosphere amongst the people of God in Judah. So that there may be a transforming of the agenda and a change. You know, brothers and sisters, at first, before we function in the will and purpose of God, we may of ourselves feel we can't, we can't stem this tide. We can't come against all that's coming against us. It's too much. We just need to keep our head low. But imagine if Hezekiah had done that. Imagine if he just could tell to the pressure of the day or the spirit of the age he was living in. What would have happened? The house of God would have continually been shut up. It would have been closed. But you see, as we begin to work with God, as we begin to put the Lord first and seek His ways, we will find that the Lord will begin to strengthen us. This is the marvellous thing. You know, Hezekiah's name actually means the Lord my strength. The Lord my strength. And you know it says back in 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9 these words, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. 
What a verse of scripture this is. What a revelation this is. That our God actually, the eyes of the Lord are looking to and fro. They run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those whose hearts are, whose heart is perfect towards him. The Lord's looking for those whose hearts are towards him. And if our hearts are towards him, if we say, Lord, we want your will, come what may, in our nation. We want our church to be a church that stands on the word of God no matter what. We want to change where we need to change. In our own personal lives, in our family lives. Lord, show us your way. As we begin to go to task as the Lord leads us, we will find that the strength of the the Lord God is with us. And he will enable us to stand in a way we could not have dreamt of. The Lord's not looking for the strong. The Lord's not looking for those who are able of himself. He's looking for those whose hearts are perfect towards him. He's looking for those who are not full of spiritual bravado and think they can take on the whole world. But he is looking for those whose hearts want to see the will of God in our day. Who don't just want to drift through their life and see nothing happening in their generation. They're happy just to see the multitudes go towards a lost eternity in hell. Is that what we want? Or are we those who on our watch want to see something of the Lord being glorified and lifted up in the church again? People turning to Christ. People on their knees repenting of their sin turning to the living God do we want to see that or are we just quite happy to let things go as they will because what will people think of us if we make a difference or seek to walk with God in these days in a living way you know dear friends it can be lonely to walk with the Lord because there's not many that go his path but the truth of the matter is it's better to have the consolation of the Lord than to have a million clap and applaud you and, and to be in the masses, as it were, yet far from God. No, dear friends, may it be that the Lord has a testimony in our day, come what may, no matter what the cost, that we'll be willing to rise up by the grace of God and by the strength of our Lord and be led of our head, the Lord Jesus, and begin to see something of a shaking of just the way things are within the house of God, that once again we might turn to the Lord and cry out to him that God will once again give us that repentance and turning, that there might be even a move of God by his Spirit in our day. No doubt even the most optimistic of God's people who yet had something in their heart for the Lord in the days of Ahaz would have been dejected and thinking, what hope is there for us? We are so far from God, even the temple of God is closed up. But, dear friends, into the midst of such darkness and such hopelessness, the Lord raises up the very son of the one who was moving the people away from God. And he brings King Hezekiah to the fore. And there he is. There he sits. There he stands. There he moves by the grace and power of God. And he begins to see things happen because in his heart he's burdened for the house of God. Zeal for God's house had got a hold of this man. And by the power of the Spirit of God, he was beginning to move and beginning to know the enabling of God. Oh, would to God that the Lord could put some fire in our hearts, dear friends. That we're not satisfied just to see things as they are. But that there might be something of a dissatisfaction, a real holy dissatisfaction. That we are far from what God intended his people to be even in these days. Does it not grieve our hearts that there's so much paganism, so much hedonism, so much apostasy that has come in? Does it not bother us that within our land, the church of the living God that once had strong and with a clear resonating voice into society has now seemingly got no voice at all or at least very little? Where are the leaders and where are those who will stand for the purposes of God and seek his face unto hearing his voice? Oh, dear friends, we can be so full of our own impressions and our own agendas and what we think need to happen in these days. But who will get on their knees and seek God and ask him how he sees things? May it be, dear friends, that we begin to seek God. And as we seek him, he will burden our heart with what he wants to do, even in our day. Well, getting back to this verse, verse 3, we find that Hezekiah opens the door of the house of the Lord and repairs them. There's repairing going on. There's right from the start, Hezekiah is in the purpose, has the purpose in his heart of repairing something of the house of God. And the doors obviously speak of the place of access coming into the presence of God. That had all been barred by his own father. And here he is, he's opening the access up again, bringing people back, seeking to bring them back to the point where they come into the house of God 
those ordained by God, that is, to, to, to worship the Lord the way he prescribes in his house. Blessed be the name of the Lord for such a servant as Hezekiah. What an example he is to each one of us. Do you know, in John chapter 10, the, the Lord Jesus speaks to us of the fact that he is the door. And, you know, there is only one way to God, the Father, and that's through the Son. And there's a sense in my heart that we just so need this particular door restored to us in the church. Because the whole ecumenical movement have, has come in and pervaded areas of the church in our nation. Whereby we're not sending a clear message out to those who are lost, who come over the threshold into our church buildings. We're not saying to them, the only way you can come to God, the only way you can worship the Lord is through the door of the Lord Jesus. There's no other way in. And uh, we find in our pluralistic society such um, an offence is taken to this particular uh, truth that Jesus Christ is the only way. He is the only door. There is no other way to God, friends. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There's no way to God except through the person of the Lord Jesus. There's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And one day every knee shall bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We must proclaim this truth again. We must show people the access into the presence of God again can only be through Jesus Christ. There's no other way. And we need to once again proclaim the fact that it's through the blood of Jesus that we have boldness to come into the presence of God as the people of God. There is no alternative. Any other attempt to come to God will fail. We can, and we need to make sure that we uphold the uniqueness of the Lord Jesus in this day and see the repairing of this within the house of God. The fact that we stand for the truth of the word of God, that Jesus Christ is the only way. There's not many doors. There's not many ways to God. There are not. There's only one door. And that's the door of the Lord Jesus. There's only one way in, friends. And God will not receive us any other way unless we come through the person of the Lord Jesus. May the Lord restore us to this truth. And it's so sad because it's so basic. Yet we need to speak these things, even in our day. Because we find that at places, there's been a closing up of the door. People can't come into the presence of God. They can't come in because there's things, there's a barring, as it were, into the very presence of God in churches. We, we prescribe alternative methods and ways and sensual things and gimmicks to bring people into a kind of experience of God. Not realising that we haven't told them that the only way you can come to God is through this door, through the person of the Lord Jesus. Oh, may we once again proclaim the uniqueness of Christ and the fact that he is the door. This is something that needs to be repaired in our day, isn't it, friends? And isn't it something that needs to be repaired first? That the gospel we preach is the true gospel? That we preach that Jesus Christ alone can save souls? That we truly come to that place where we're in the midst of a multitude of religions that have swept through our land, we maintain the, the truth of the word of God, that Jesus Christ is the only way. He is the door. Hallelujah. And we can know the presence of God. We need to know that way in again, into the presence of God, don't we? You know, we often think as well, as the Lord's people, that we can just come to God as we are. doesn't matter how, we, how, we, uh, how we, we've been acting or anything. Don't, we don't worry about confessing our sins, perhaps at times. I think, sadly, there can be a sort of slapdash approach we can have to coming into the house of God. Let me put it on this level also. That as God's people, we don't consider something of the tremendous privilege we have to come into the presence of God through the Lord Jesus. And uh, I would to God that there might be that preparation of heart. That as the people of God, as we come near to God, that we know that our hearts have been made ready. You know, you, you remember what it says in Psalm 24. Who can ascend into the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands. And pure hearts. This is what we need to have in our days, isn't it, friends? Let me read these verses to you from Psalm 24. 
because I think it's significant for us. Who shall ascend, verse 3, into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord. Oh, the blessing of being in the presence of God. Oh, the wonder of it. Do you remember Psalm 16 speaks of, In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. But I think at times we're trying to make different avenues into the presence of God. Ways that are not prescribed by God and we create our own atmospheres, as it were, of the presence of God rather than knowing the genuine work of the Spirit of God amongst us. May the Lord help us to see a repairing of this door. Jesus is the only way into the presence of God. And as we come by him in all reverence, may the Lord help us to see the kind of worship prescribed in his house that he's after. We'll come on to that in a little bit. Let's come back to these verses, shall we? Verse 4, speaking of Hezekiah, and he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them together into the east street. These priests and Levites that should have been attending to the service of God. He's bringing them together. He's calling them near because he's got a word for them. He's going to speak into their hearts. And he says in verse 5, Hear me, ye Levites, sanctify now yourselves and sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry forth from uh, forth the filthiness out of the holy place. Now firstly notice that when Hezekiah speaks to the priests and the Levites, those who should have been attending to the house of God, he, before he tells them to go into the house and carry out all the rubbish and, and all that had taken place as a result of King Ahaz being in power, before they could take all the rubbish out of the temple, the Lord says to them, or Hezekiah says to them, Sanctify yourselves. This is so important, brothers and sisters, for us to realise. You see, we're all called to be part of the priesthood of God in the kingdom of God today. And as believers, as those who come to minister, to offer spiritual sacrifices to God in his house, we need to see here, dear friends, that before we can be used of God in his house, to see a removal of things that are not of God, we firstly need to be sanctified. It's so easy just to be those that point the finger at others or look at the house of God and point the finger and consider how terrible it is and we tart and we sigh and we pass by as if to say, well, at least we're not like that. That's not the attitude of heart that God is after from his people. If we're going to be used by God, we need to come to that place where we realise our need to be sanctified. We need to be set apart. Maybe there's things in our lives that are idolatrous, that are contrary to the will of God. And the way to find that out is by getting before God and praying and asking the Lord, show me, is there any darkness in my heart? Is there any idolatry within me? Is there anything that's not of you in me? Is there any offensive way in me? And lead me in the way everlasting. This is the way we should be speaking as God's people, dear friends, in this time. We should be asking the Lord to sanctify us, by which we mean to clean us up, to set us apart from all that is godless unto all that is godly, that we might be holy unto the Lord, set apart for his purposes. How can we be instruments in his hands in clearing out what isn't of God if what isn't of God is also in our hearts? It would, we would be in hypocrisy, wouldn't we? Now we know none of us are going to be perfect this side of heaven. We slip, we fall, we get things wrong. I totally understand that and thank God for the provision of the cleansing blood of Jesus. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But I'm speaking about having that heart where we want to be sanctified, we want to be set apart, we want to be pure. And we go to God and we ask him, Lord, just show me where there's things in my life that are offensive to you. If there's any idolatry, 
Anything in my heart, Lord, show me. Cleanse me. And you know the marvellous thing about the Lord is, if we mean business with God, he will do it. He will cleanse us. Because, dear brothers and sisters, do you not realise the Lord wants you to be cleansed? The Lord wants you to be freed from idolatry and from everything that we hold on to that is contrary to himself. He wants us to be freed from it. For he knows that true liberty is found when we're released from these idols and these things in our lives that are contrary to God. May the Lord help us. May the Lord help us. These priests and these Levites, they, they sanctified themselves. They, they got themselves right. And then they could be used by God, by, by the Lord in his house, to clear out what isn't of God. Well, may the Lord help us. You know, we often think about revival, but we each need our own personal revival, friends. Revival begins with my life getting cleaned up, with your life getting cleaned up, with us meaning business with God and getting before him. Friends, it's not an, a terrible task to have to perform. It's a great privilege to be able to go to God and get our sins dealt with. Is it not a blessing to know the cleansing flow of the blood of the Lamb? Is it not a blessing to be sanctified? Of course it is. To be done with things that are in our lives that are contrary to the will of God. It's a blessing. The Lord is merciful. Blessed be his name. So these priests and these Levites were called by Hezekiah to sanctify themselves and then sanctify the house. And they were to carry out of the house all the filthiness that was in the holy place. And he goes on to say, For our fathers have trespassed and done that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and have forsaken him and turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord and turn their backs. Dear friends, this is what has happened to them. And we go on to read a little bit later that as a result of that, the wrath of God had come upon the people of Judah and that as a result of his judgments, the sons and the daughters and the wives of these men were in captivity. And you know, we don't realise this. Idolatry brings us into captivity. It brings us into darkness when we don't do things God's way. It brings captivity. And so we find this had happened in the time of Judah. And dear brothers and sisters, let us be those, therefore, that seek our God, that there might be a releasing from the captivity and the oppression of something that we're, of the spirit that pervades our day, that we might know uh, a period of time where we can be liberated in measure from something of the forces of darkness that are even now just oppressing many, even in the church. Let us be those that call on God for his help. Well, getting back to this particular verse then, verse 6. There is the realisation that our fathers have trespassed. And, and this is the reason we've gone so far from God. Our forefathers went far from God just in recent generations. Praise God! that many generations before our fathers were walking with God. But unfortunately, we find that in more recent generations there's been a turning away from God in his house. So for the sake of the Lord's glory, really, Hezekiah is a burden here. He sees that the families are in bondage because of the way that his own father and the, before them the, the, the adulterer, uh, sorry, rather, idolatrous leaders had led the people astray. Brothers and sisters, may God help us to see a cleaning out from the sanctuary of all that is not of God. This is a time when we can ask God, Lord, show us what's in your house that is offensive to you. Show us what's in the holy place that shouldn't be there. You know, there's many things that we do within the house of God that we don't even ask the Lord whether it's right or not. 
There's many ceremonies, there's many traditions that have come into the house of God that have become a part of our church calendar that we don't even inquire of God. Now, are you pleased with this, Lord? Is this something you want? We don't even check whether there's elements of paganism in some of the things we practice. We just go ahead year after year doing the same thing very often. And the Lord wants us, dear friends, to be those that are concerned for his name, to clear out everything that isn't of God. May the Lord show us, may the Lord reveal to us what isn't of himself. And may it be as we go into the sanctuary, as it were, that the Lord would be pleased in some of our churches where there needs a clearing out, to grant there be a clearing out of all that's offensive to him, that only that which is of him might remain. You know, the church, the, the, the temple of God here, the, Hezekiah calls it the habitation of the Lord in verse 6. That's what the house of God is to be. The habitation of the Lord is the place where God is wanting to dwell amongst his people. And therefore, since it is his house, how important it is that what is in his house is according to his will and his purpose. So, dear brothers and sisters, may we get before God. May the Spirit show us the way and grant us his leading. Moving on a little bit to verse 7, after we read about Hezekiah calling the people to take the rubbish out of the temple, we go on to read, also they have shut up the doors of the porch. Now remember Hezekiah speaking to the priests and the Levites about what the fathers had done before him. They've shut up the doors of the porch and put out the lamps and have not burned incense nor offered burnt offerings in the holy place unto the God of Israel. It's been a putting out of the lamps. You know, the lamp, the lampstand in the holy place was to be set there to shine light across that particular place. And it's, it's amazing, this, this lampstand that was in uh, the temple speaks to us of a number of things, but it speaks to us of the person of the Lord Jesus and the shining of light and uh, the shining forth of what is light and what is good. You know, this is what it represents. You know, we are to shine our light. Um, a, a hill, uh, sorry, a, a house set on a hill cannot be hidden, is not to be hid hidden, Jesus said. We read of these things in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. I'm just going to turn there quickly. Matthew chapter 5. Let me read these words to you. Verse 14. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on the lampstand. And, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The Lord is wanting uh, our light to shine to a lost world. He's wanting his light within the house of God, that which is of Christ, to shine. And also the fact with the lampstand is that it needed oil. And the oil speaks of the person of the Holy Spirit. And we need the illumination of the Spirit of God in the house of God. And yet we find so rarely, there is very rarely these days, um, uh, the word being preached in the power of the Spirit and, and the Spirit illuminating the word to the people of God. Where is that light in these days? It's as though the light has gone dim. And it's as though the light of God's people have gone dim. We're not shining. We cover up the reality of the Lord Jesus. It's as though we're fearful of what men will think of us if we really shine. But we're to let the light of the truth of the gospel and of the Lord Jesus shine before men. Let them know that the God that we worship is the living God. Let our churches declare the reality of the brightness of the Lord Jesus and who he is. He's the light of the world. There is no light apart from him. Ultimately, there is only light in him, and light speaks of truth. We need the light of the truth of God's word, illuminated to us by the Spirit of God, once again in the house of God. 
May the Lord grant us in days ahead by his mercy and grace once again for leaders and pastors to get before God not just to plunder commentaries but to get into the word for themselves and ask the spirit of God to illuminate the scriptures to them to give them the word for the people of God. Yes, we need commentaries. Yes, we need to uh, look at what others have said to, to check ourselves out but primarily we need to know the teaching of the Holy Spirit revealing the truth to us. There needs to be a shining in our day. There needs to be a shining from the people of God in our day. You know, there's the story of Ridley and Latimer who were both burnt at the stake um, for standing for the word of God and against some of the teachings of Roman Catholicism. And one was uh, feeling uh, so fearful about it, understandably, and as they were tied together, one said to the other, um, Play the man, for we shall light a light in this nation that by God's grace will never go out. But brothers and sisters, though that light was lit, and though the, although the gospel was graciously preserved by God, and men and women up and down the land poured out their lives for the preservation of the gospel, they shone radiantly the light of the truth of God's word in the midst of such opposition. Though there was a preservation, dear friends, we have come into a day whereby that light is burning dim. And we were in, and there was a day here in Hezekiah's day where the lamp had actually been put out. You know, the lampstand in the book of Revelation speaks of the churches, and each church represented, was represented by a lampstand. And the law can remove lampstands when the testimony is gone. And brothers and sisters, we need to pray that the Lord would restore us as his people, that there be a testimony yet in the land, and that there might be a move of God in our churches, that the light that is going dim will once again burn brightly and shine to the Lord's glory. Back to 2 Chronicles chapter 29, please. 2 Chronicles chapter 29. Not only had the lamps been put out in the day of Hezekiah, it goes on to say that they had not burned incense, nor offered burnt offerings. The incense speaks to us of intercessory prayer. We can find that in the book of Revelation chapter 5 and verse 8. And in chapter 8 of the book of Revelation, I think it's verse 4. These verses that speak of the incense rising to do with the prayers of the saints. One of the things that had gone out was the incense in the day of Hezekiah. No incense was being burnt. And we're living in a day, dear friends, where there's very little prayer in the house of God. The Lord Jesus himself said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Dear friends, primarily the church is to be a people in prayer, to be a people seeking the face of God, getting before the Lord, calling on his name, pleading with him that once again he might deliver us and once again we might know something of a recovery of the things of God in our day. Dear friends, we need to be in prayer. Often it's the prayer meeting, which is the least attended meeting in the church, isn't it? How few of us really get before God and in a day of such crisis in a day dear friends where there's been so much that has come in that is opposed to God surely the people of God should be in prayer and yet often it's the least attended meeting oh brothers and sisters may God put it in our hearts to pray again May God put it in our hearts that we might be a people that seek his face. We can't work anything up of ourselves, but do we not need transformation in this area of our churches? That God would bring us back to prayer and praying as the Lord leads us in his word. Praying according to the will of God. Praying by means of the enabling of the Spirit of God. We need intercession restored to the church. True intercession, really seeking of God, standing in the gap, pleading with God. There are no shortcuts or formulas. 
We need to plead with God. And you often find with when there's been moves of God, it's because there's been a few that have really set their face to seek the Lord. Oh, brothers and sisters, may God do something in our hearts to restore that incense, as it were, rise into God. And then he goes on to speak about burnt offerings in the holy place unto God. The burnt offering specifically speaks to us of the Lord Jesus and his sacrifice of Calvary. How that sacrifice was consumed. And we are not preaching in our churches the truth of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus alone as sufficient in these days. We have lost the proclamation of the cross in many respects. We're no longer preaching the truth of Calvary. May the Lord bring us back to this truth that Jesus Christ stood in our place and he bore the wrath of God on our behalf that we need not bear that wrath. And those teachers that are teaching that Jesus didn't bear the wrath of God, that somehow the cross only shows us that Jesus loves us, are wrong and they are teaching error. The truth of the matter is there has to be a sacrifice for sin. There has to be somebody who takes the punishment for the sinner to be released from his iniquity if he's not going to come under the judgment of God himself. And the Lord Jesus took our place. He stood there. And you see, if we understand this fact, that Jesus bore the wrath for us, it causes us to see all the more, not only that the Lord loves us, yes, of course he does, but how seriously God sees sin. You see, if you bring a sinner to the cross and you don't show them that that's how God sees their sin. How on earth are they to come under conviction of sin, which is necessary? We need conviction of sin if we're going to come through to Christ. So, brothers and sisters, we need this truth, the truth of the cross, the work of Calvary restored to the church. May the Lord deliver us from the false teaching of those who proclaim that Jesus didn't bear the wrath of God because God doesn't get angry. God is angry with the wicked every day. That's what it says in the book of Psalms, dear friends. Let's get back to the understanding of the word of God and thank God that he hates sin and his judgments are just and everything he does is righteous. Or how we need to get back to viewing the God of the Bible. And may the Lord grant an opening of the eyes to those who would prescribe a different Jesus. And a different cross. Know the Lord Jesus bore for us. The wrath of God upon himself. That we need never know. The punishment of God. That we need never know the wrath of God. Upon us. He was our substitute. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And thank God for the wonderful salvation he's wrought for us. These things need to be restored. To the house of God. And it's because these things in type were missing in the days of Hezekiah, we find that the Lord's wrath was upon Judah and Jerusalem. And I've mentioned the fact that the fathers had fallen by the sword and the sons and daughters and wives were in captivity because of the state of the house of God. And then Hezekiah says in verse 10, Now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel that his fierce wrath may turn away from us. My sons, he goes on to say in verse 11, be not now negligent, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, and that ye should, burn in, ye should minister unto him and burn incense. What mercy there is in these words. You know, in it, the Lord had every right to cast them all aside, but the Lord, through Hezekiah, is stirring the hearts of the Levites and the priests to get back to the ways of God. This shows that there's hope, dear friends. And if there's hope in the day of Hezekiah, is there not hope for us in this day? That there may be something of a turning back to God amongst his people. Verse 11, my sons, be not now negligent. Now is the time. 
Now is the time for us to come back to God. We need to not be negligent, not just have a laissez-faire attitude and just say whatever will be, will be. No, now is the time for us to get on our knees and call on the Lord, that the Lord would restore true worship to the church and the word of God be in its rightful place within the house of God. We need to once again cry out to God that we would preach the cross and the truth of it. We need to get back to the ways of God. Let's not be negligent now, brothers and sisters. Let's not be those that, in a sense, allow our hearts to be overcome by the opposition and just feel all is lost. No, the enemy wants to put that kind of uh, heaviness over us. But let's not allow that to pervade our hearts. Let's not be negligent now. Let's be those by the grace of God that arise. Hasn't the Lord chosen us to stand before him? Hasn't the Lord bought us with the blood of his son that we may come near to him? It says in Ephesians 1 verse 4 that he's chosen us. We're chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Oh friends, the Lord has chosen us unto being before him. And he wants us to learn to minister to him. And he wants us to learn to bless him, I believe. He wants us to learn the way of spiritual worship. Oh, may God help us. And he wants us to learn the way of burning incense, the way of true prayer. Where we're not just going down a list of our own prayers, but whereby we're seeking the Lord and laying hold on our head to lead us in prayer. The Spirit of God wants to lead us and show us what is on God's heart, that we may share his burdens, that we may share his heart, that we might know his way. When you're in a prayer meeting and the Spirit of God is leading the people of God, it's tremendous, it's living, it's true, there's hope. But where we pray under our own steam as though we don't need any help um, from heaven, well, we can go through our list, we can pray our prayers, but what is going to be accomplished? It's only that which begins in heaven that is going to grant that there's going to be something of life to. Origin determines destiny, My, um, Watchman Nee once said. We need to know that prayer from heaven, getting into our hearts and being led by him, praying unto him, knowing the spirit of God. Oh, brothers and sisters, we've made the prayer meeting so boring to be honest with you, in the house of God. But when God gets hold of men and women's hearts in a living way, not a hyped up way in the flesh, a living way where it's the Spirit of God working upon us and leading us and governing us, there is life and there is strength. And often the time flies. We're in the presence of God. Well, as a result of Hezekiah's admonition to the priests and Levites, they rose up, thank God. They went and they cleaned out the house of God. They cleaned it out. They sanctified it. It says, a little later on, after there's been this work of sanctifying going on, in verse 20, that Hezekiah the king rose early and gathered the rulers of the city and went up to the house of the Lord. Everything is early with Hezekiah. He doesn't wait years. When things, when there's the need, where, he's, where there's the, uh, he sees how far that his own generation had gone from God. He's about seeking that change early. He's rising early. He's doing things in the first year, in the first month. This is the heart that we need. Not that we rise up quickly and go and do our own thing, but that we rise up to prayer. We rise up to seek the face of God. That we rise up to call on his name in prayer. That the Lord would do something in our generation. Well praise God the Lord did a glorious work. And there was a casting out from the house of God. Everything that was not of God. Or oh, would to God that that would happen in our day. Would to God that we would know the putting out of all that is not prescribed of him in his word. Prescribed of the Lord in his word. There'd be a putting out of it from the sanctuary. All the idolatry, all the, um, every form of syncretism, the meshing of paganism with Christianity, everything like that, all that taken out of the house of God. So that all that we're left with 
is the Lord Jesus. With the Lord filling everything. Oh, what a day it will be when Christ filleth all in all. Brothers and sisters, let me come to conclusion. We read about the fact that the Levites stood with instruments of David and the priests with the trumpets. We read about the fact that all the congregation worshipped and the singers sang and the trumpets sounded. Would to hear this, this worship that's been sanctified, this worship that's to God, this worship that's a result of all that's not of God, taken out of the house of God. And then we go on to read... Moreover, Hezekiah the king and the princes commanded the Levites to sing praise unto the Lord with the words of David and of Asaph the seer. And they sang praises with gladness, and they bowed their heads and worshipped. What a marvellous thing it is. There's consecration going on here. There's putting things right going on here. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. We go on to read towards the end about the burnt offerings, that they were in abundance with the fat of the peace offerings and the drink offerings for every burnt offering. So the service of the house of the Lord was set in order. The service of the house of the Lord was set in order. In other words, set according to the order prescribed by God. This is what we need today, brothers and sisters. We need to do away with anything in the house of God that isn't of the order of the Lord. There's so many things that we don't even realise we do that God hasn't prescribed in his word. Where are we when it comes to the, th the house of God? Do we seek the Lord's face? Do we inquire of him? Do we ask him, Lord, help us in our own fellowship to know a setting in order of what is of you. Worship the way you want to be worshipped. The ministry of the word restored. Oh friends, there's so many things we could speak of that have come into the house of God, that are called Christian, and really, they haven't been prescribed of God. Traditions of men. Ask the Lord to show you. But brothers and sisters, may it be that in God's house, even in our day, we know a reformation. And it goes on to say in verse 36, And Hezekiah rejoiced, and all the people that God had prepared, sorry, and, uh, sorry, the people that God had prepared the people, for the thing was done suddenly. Hezekiah, the end of him making these reformations, the end of him changing the atmosphere, cutting across the idolatry, cutting across the paganism, cutting across the idol worship. He dealt with all of it. He cut across it all, taking the rubbish out of the temple of God, stopping at nothing to make sure the Lord has the house according to his prescribed way. The end result is rejoicing, friends. Yes, there's opposition. Yes, there are those that cry foul. Yes, there are those that think you're eccentric. There are those that are going to say you're too intense. Let the people say what they will. It doesn't matter. The important thing for us is that we do things God's way. And as we do his, his, things His way, brothers and sisters, the end will be the rejoicing of our hearts. Joy will be the outworking of us staying and standing with the will of God. And he rejoiced all the people that God had prepared. Um, for the thing was done suddenly. It's as though God suddenly got hold of his people. And moved in their lives. And put the burden and the desire and the zeal. To see a change in their day. Only God can do this. Only God can do this. We can't make ourselves do it. For all our desire and all our yearning for God's house to become what the Lord wants and knowing that it's possible for there to be a house for God's glory in this day. At the end of the day, 
Only God can do this suddenly. Only God. Brothers and sisters, what is it to us that the house of God is so far from what the Lord wants us to be? What is it to us that God is wanting to work in our day? What is it to us that so much of our practices within the house of God have not begun with God? They've begun with the traditions of men. They've begun with what men wanted to bring in. And with the bringing in of these traditions have come idolatry and confusion and a lack of order. And a worship that isn't prescribed by God. Thus bringing us into a place where we're not seeing the worship in spirit and in truth that God is after. May the Lord help us. May we see in our day a reformation that brings us right back to what God wants in his house. Only the Lord can do this suddenly. But may God help us, friends, and may each one of us consider our ways to his glory. In Jesus' name, the Lord bless you. Amen.